Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now, with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Thank you for joining this week's episode of the Albany Update. The legislature was not in session last week due to the Easter and Passover holidays, as well as a planned spring break. But that doesn't mean that it was a quiet week. The nation is roiled over court rulings affecting abortion by pill. Additionally, the transgender issue is only being pushed harder into our American psyche. Thankfully, there is also a growing effort to resist this kind of sexual confusion. And before we're done, I'll offer the latest on the status of the state budget negotiations and Governor Kathy Hochul's newest nominations to the Court of Appeals. Let's get started. A legal battle over the availability of abortion pills has led to a court decision that could save innocent unborn lives. On April 12th, a panel of the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit issued a ruling that affects the availability of an abortion pill called Mifeprestone. According to Politico, a trial court had previously blocked the U.S. Food and Drug Administration approval of Mifepristone, while the Court of Appeals ruled that Mifepristone may continue to be sold. It also held that the drug may not be used after seven weeks gestation and may not be distributed through the mail. The Court of Appeals also held that retail pharmacies may not dispense mifepristone, that physicians may not prescribe the drug via telemedicine, and that non-physicians may not prescribe or administer the drug. Pro-abortion advocates are beside themselves about the court's ruling. As Politico points out, both the Biden administration and the abortion industry have pushed to make it easier to obtain abortion pills. In so doing, they hope to keep abortion available to women in conservative states that have passed pro-life laws limiting or banning surgical abortions. The court's ruling throws a monkey wrench into their plans. Vice President Kamala Harris fumed that politicians and politics have driven lawyers to go to a court of law where a judge who is not a medical professional is making a decision to undo the ruling. 20, 20, over 20 years ago of the FDA that declared a specific medication safe and effective for the American people. In contrast, Christy Hamrick of Students for Life asserted that this very evidence-based rejection of Biden's weakened health and safety standards for chemical abortion pills is good news for women. In another case involving abortion pills, a federal judge in Washington reportedly ordered the FDA to maintain current procedures for access to the drug in 17 states and Washington, D.C. The U.S. Department of Justice has asked the Supreme Court to review the Court of Appeals decision on an emergency basis. Well, in response to the Court of Appeals decision, Governor Kathy Hochul announced that the state of New York would purchase and stockpile 150,000 doses of misopristol, another abortion drug. While speaking at a Planned Parenthood event, the governor said, we're going to ensure that New Yorkers will continue to have access to medication abortion, no matter what. The mega anti-abortion extremists, legislators, and judges alike are hellbent on continuing down this path. They're coming after all forms of reproductive health care. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a Democrat from the Bronx, described the decision as an unprecedented and dramatic erosion of the legitimacy of the court. And not to be outdone, New York Attorney General Letitia James added, The fight for reproductive justice is not over. New York will continue to do everything within its power to protect reproductive rights, because it should always be about your body and your choice. 
Here's the thing. I don't remember New York stockpiling baby formula during that shortage, and there was no similar action for infant pain reliever when it was in short supply. Abortion pills, though? Governor Kathy Hochul and her pro-abortion cohorts are all in. Their political priorities are apparent. Now, in other news, New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms has been advocating for gender sanity and for women's privacy and safety ever since 2003, when the bathroom bill, also known as the Gender Expression Non-Discrimination Act, or GENDA, was first introduced in the New York State Legislature. Twenty years ago, few observers could have foreseen how rapidly the transgender movement would progress, and how easy it would be to get many Americans to give in to its outrageous demands. Transgenderism is the false belief that every person has a gender identity, an inner sense of being male, female, something else, or in between, distinct from his or her sex, and that when the two conflict, gender identity should take precedence. Well, over the past two decades, Christians reacted with shock and bewilderment as New York and 22 other states passed laws protecting individuals from discrimination based upon their transgender identities and behaviors. Numerous cities and counties did the same. Corporate employers began implementing policies to accommodate transgenderism in the workplace. In 2016, the Obama administration permitted transgender individuals to serve in the U.S. Armed Forces and to utilize opposite-sex facilities. In 2020, the Supreme Court of the United States erroneously ruled that Title VII, a federal law banning sex discrimination in employment, also banned employment discrimination based upon sexual orientation and gender identity. In the Democratic Party, the acceptance and celebration of transgenderism quickly became the norm. Amongst elected Republicans, some quietly opposed transgender policies. A few caved in and supported such policies, and most made every effort to avoid the issue altogether. Recently, advocates have promoted transgenderism by holding drag story hours in libraries, schools, and other places, opening girls' and women's sports teams to transgender participants, and most appallingly providing hormones and surgeries to facilitate the so-called gender transitions of minors. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms is pleased to report that the political pushback against transgenderism has finally begun. It's a powerful pushback. According to the Associated Press, at least 16 states have passed laws protecting girls' sports against participation by male athletes. U.S. News & World Report indicates that at least 14 states have banned the use of transgender medical treatments on minors. Led by conservative governors and state legislators, many other states are considering similar measures. Even the U.S. House of Representatives has gotten into the act. Earlier this month, the House passed the Parents' Bill of Rights Act. Here in New York, two brave legislators, Senator George Borrello, a Republican from Jamestown, and Assemblymember Andy Goodell, a Republican from Chautauqua, have taken an important step for gender sanity by introducing a bill to protect girls' sports from male participation. The legislation would bar males in public and private schools from participating in interscholastic girls' sports in grades 7 through 12. Protecting girls' sports from transgenderism makes sense as a matter of fairness and a matter of honesty. Adolescent and post-adolescent males have an unfair advantage over adolescent and post-adolescent females in most sports because of their greater size, speed, and strength. 
allowing males to participate in girls' sports can unfairly deprive girls of victories and scholarships to which they would otherwise be entitled. More importantly, allowing males with gender dysphoria to classify themselves as girls is dishonest. Girls' sports should not be forced to accommodate the false claims of transgenderism. The Borello Goodell bill's chance of passage is remote, but so is the chance that the bathroom law would pass when it was first introduced back in 2003. 20 years from now, things could be different. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms expresses our gratitude and respect to Senator Borello and Assemblymember Goodell for introducing this important measure. We pray that the Lord will protect them against any attempted reprisals. Now, turning a corner, the 2023-2024 New York State budget was due to be enacted by April 1st, but at the time of this recording on April 14th, the state's budget process has not yet been concluded. Worse yet, there were no indications that a budget deal between Albany's three people in a room, Governor Kathy Hochul, Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, and Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty was imminent. To date, the fact that Governor Hochul, Leader Stewart-Cousins, and Speaker Hasty are all Democrats has not helped them get on the same page. New York's budget process is notoriously secretive and dysfunctional. That dysfunction is caused by a variety of factors, one of which is Albany politicians' ongoing habit of including non-fiscal issues in budget negotiations. If a governor or legislative leader wants to ensure that a bill is passed, attaching it to the budget is one way to accomplish that goal. The inclusion of non-fiscal matters complicates the budget process and distracts policymakers from focusing on the budget itself. This year, two of the major non-fiscal issues that have complicated state budget negotiations are crime and housing. On crime, Governor Hochul is pushing for changes to New York's bail reform laws to allow judges more discretion in keeping potentially dangerous criminal defendants behind bars before trial. The governor's desire to appear tough on crime is likely driven by her unexpectedly close election victory last year, when Republican challenger Lee Zeldin made crime a major issue in his campaign. Leader Stuart Cousins and Speaker Hasty, on the other hand, stand to the left of the governor on issues of crime. The legislative leaders are cool to the governor's proposal, believing that the state's bail reform laws are not to blame for an uptick in crime. Regarding housing, the roles of the governor and the legislative leaders are reversed, Governor Hochul is pushing an aggressive statewide plan that calls for the construction of 800,000 new housing units across the state over the next decade. Controversially, the governor's plan would allow the state to approve residential construction in cities and towns that fail to meet certain benchmarks. Elected officials from suburban areas have balked at this idea, and leader Stuart Cousins has called for incentive-based approaches rather than a proposal that allows the state to override local control of housing development. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms continues to call on policymakers to refrain from including any abortion expansion measures in the 2023-2024 state budget. We also reiterate our other budget priorities, which are an adoption tax deduction for parents who adopt children from New York's foster care system, a pilot program for recovery centers for drug-addicted infants, the creation of a state office of a hospice and palliative care access and quality, 
an amendment to the Concealed Carry Improvement Act to protect churches' right to protect themselves, and an increase in the New York City charter school cap. And the other issue that is roiling Albany in recent days is the court. On April 10th, in a pitiful attempt to appease the far-left Democratic majority in the New York State Senate, Governor Kathy Hochul nominated Judge Rowan Wilson to serve as the next chief judge of the New York Court of Appeals. The New York State Senate has 30 days to act on the Wilson nomination. Senator George Borrello asserted that the governor is bowing to the most radical element of the far left in picking this activist judge for the chief position. Last year, when the Court of Appeals found the Democratic Party's gerrymandered congressional maps to be unconstitutional, Judge Wilson authored a dissenting opinion. In addition, as E.J. McMahon of the Empire Center pointed out, Judge Wilson has authored an opinion arguing that an elephant should have the legal right to petition for release from the Bronx Zoo. To make matters worse, Governor Hochul has nominated left-wing favorite Caitlin Halligan, a former Solicitor General of New York, to fill the vacancy that will be created in the Court of Appeals if Judge Wilson is elevated to the post of Chief Judge. Years ago, when President Barack Obama nominated Halligan for a post on the U.S. Court of Appeals, Halligan was not confirmed. U.S. Senate Republicans blocked her nomination because of her support for efforts to sue gun manufacturers for crimes committed by users of their products. If the Wilson and Halligan nominations are successful, the Court of Appeals could become an activist court whose decisions would make the state of New York even more hostile to law-abiding Christian citizens than it already is. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate, Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.